For someone whose entire career has been focused on joy, why a podcast on pain? Because these stories need to be told. A good phoenix rising out of the ashes story reminds us all that not only can we survive, we can thrive. And when we emerge, we're different. That's the alchemy of pain. Welcome to another edition of The Alchemy of Pain, a podcast where we don't set up an altar and worship the pains we've been through, but we honor the people that we became as we worked through them and came out the other side. I've been able to interview remarkable people and many of them have taken their personal pain and through it found their purpose and they're helping other people. Today is not really any different from the others except each person's story is unique. Today, my guest is Sonia Louise, and I always start with how I met this person. You know, I don't know about you, but I hate those automated sort of robo pitches that I get on LinkedIn. They always want to help me with something, and they always want me to buy something. So it was beautiful and refreshing when I met someone who seemed genuinely interested in my work and in me. And it was a personal sort of, hey, we should get to know each other. And I'm so glad that I met Sonia Louise. Sonia, it's so lovely to have you here today. It's beautiful to be here with you, Brenda. Our initial meet and greet ended up with me in tears. So that's the kind of person that Sonia Louise is because you feel safe enough. And it was in a, a tender day and I didn't even have to put my game face on to be with her at our initial meeting. And you're going to love the title of what she is and what she does. She is a holistic success coach. So let's start there, Sonia. What is a holistic success coach? That's a good question. The way I like to put it is I help high-performing women with chronic illness pursue ambitious goals without jeopardizing their health. So I'm not a health coach in that you don't come to me to get the health in order necessarily. Um, although we can look at health if that's your pathway to success. But typically women seek me out when they have a chronic health condition that prevents them from having the performance or productivity that they're used to. And the strategies that they're used to engaging to be successful um, exacerbate their symptoms as opposed to moving them ahead. The other kind of half of my clients tend to be women who've really been debilitated by a chronic illness. So they've gotten really savvy about the fact that they need to stop pushing. But when they kind of get back to a stabilized health scenario, and then they're kind of feeling that impulse to give, the impulse to contribute there. I still have so much that I want out of life and so much I can give to life. But then they start engaging in those goal setting strategies and then find that post-exertional malaise with either brain fog or pain or um, fatigue that sets in and they start questioning like, can I even move forward in it? Like, can I set ambitious goals anymore without jeopardizing my health? So, so I come in at kind of like that stage where I show women that they absolutely can pursue ambitious goals because I believe that if we have deeply held desires, that those are divine seeds that have been planted. Like there's a reason why we are feeling the impulse to reach higher and to give more um, but just how we've been conditioned to pursue ambitious goals and success in life are often the things that contributed to our illness in the first place. Mm, so there's a cycle there. And I, I think one of the first questions I had for you is you have such a defined purpose in your work. How did you get to that 
definition? How did you hone it down? Because I remember one of the first things you asked me is, so who are you here to serve? And I sort of scratched my non-existent beard. <laughs> I said, well, anybody that needs to be encouraged, which is so broad. And I'm working on refining, but how did you refine to your desired target audience? Well, that's been a journey also. Um, part of it was accidental. So I practice energy healing. And during COVID, my in-person practice had shut down. And I had a friend who was also doing an in-person practice uh, in New York, and they were the epicenter. So clearly, she was shut down. And we realized that at a time when people most needed to see a healer, we didn't have access. So we started doing Reiki healing sessions online and quickly realized that we needed to teach people how to have access to healing, healing power, healing uh, practice uh, at their own fingertips. And so we started teaching Reiki online. So initially it was in response to COVID. And then we very accidentally became one of the first group to serve the long COVID community because some of our clients who had COVID weren't getting better. And we started um, researching. Um, well, they actually self-organized and realized that it was due to the COVID and that they weren't getting better. And so we actually accidentally started serving the long COVID community. And then we realized that the practices that we were using that were helping people deal with these very mysterious symptoms from long COVID actually worked with other people with mysterious invisible illness like fibromyalgia, like chronic Lyme disease, like autoimmune diseases. So it turns out that the strategies that we had used for the long COVID community had a broader application. So then it kind of grew to, to helping women with chronic illness. But then I realized that um, what I'm really passionate about, I am passionate about health because without health, we have nothing. But I'm really passionate about the what's next beyond health because I'm really passionate about making my biggest contribution in life. And so me being healthy is really me being empowered and equipped to make my biggest contribution. So I have this hypothesis that women with chronic illness, like there's a deeper purpose to the pain that we're experiencing. And it's actually so that we start embracing life in a different way so that we can make our highest contribution. And that has a lot more it, it, it's to do with more than just achievement, right? It's about what we're here to give and how we're here to serve. So then I kind of pivoted and started looking at like New Year's resolutions and goal setting and things like that. But what I realized is that high-performing women before chronic illness are not really in a place to make, they don't want to make change because what they're doing is working. So then that became like the marriage of, oh, but high performing women with chronic illness not only need to change, but they're ready to make changes because what else can they do? And as a matter of fact, bringing new hope in their lives that their best days are still ahead of them and not behind them. And that's how I arrived at the sweet spot. So the purpose of this interview ultimately is to ask about your personal pain that changed you forever. And we will get there, but there are so many gems that you just said. One that I'd love for you to expand on is the very thing that caused them to be high achievers often can be the catalyst for the illness. Yeah, it can be the catalyst for the illness. Also, so I'll put it in my own personal experience. So first of all, I, um, I've had hypothyroid for 30 some years. 
Um, my son was two years old when I was diagnosed with hypothyroid. At the time, it was one of the top 10 undiagnosed illnesses in women. This was, you know, three decades ago. It's, it's much more understood now, but back in the day, it wasn't. I thought I was just a new mom and that's why I'm exhausted all the time. Um, but I had a, a doctor who was savvy enough to see the clues and to get me on a, on a regimen essentially. Um, I literally just forgot the question that you asked. I totally get because I was just thinking about that wonderful doctor and how she literally like, she spent two hours with me on that first, like before she ever put me on the table and just asked me so many questions. And I had never had anyone dig that deeply into what was going on with me. And that has just not been my experience ever since. So sorry, I was a little like, I remembered her and I was like, oh man, that was just such a beautiful experience. Um, I love that it caused you to go there and because I could picture it. And I think that so many people with chronic illness, unfortunately, aren't fortunate enough to have someone that gives the time to see them and hear them and then help them. So yeah. that is so important. The initial question, how this high achiever yes. can actually be the very thing that causes a chronic illness. Is it the yes. stress? Um, you know, I can't answer as an expert, but what I will say is this, and now I remember where I was going with that. So I noticed with hypothyroid that there were certain things that I would do that would ex exacerbate my symptoms. So I had to live in a heightened state of awareness about my body and about the results of certain actions. But I just wasn't motivated enough to really make dramatic changes. And then fast forward to last year, um, I got COVID and then long COVID myself. And because I had been serving women with long COVID for like months and months and months, I immediately knew what was happening to me and that I had long COVID. And so I talked to one of our very early clients who had become um, really instrumental in the long COVID movement. And she looked me in the eye. We had a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call. I said, I'm pretty sure that this is what I'm dealing with. You know, what, what do you recommend as far as, you know, what I need to do first, second, third. And she looked me in the eye and she said that the difference between a woman with long COVID who experiences a temporary disruption with mild symptoms versus a woman who is completely debilitated or even disabled with perhaps permanent issues can be traced to an exertional event that flips the switch. And she said, if I were you, the number one piece of advice that I would give you is don't flip that switch and you need to be aggressively resting. And so what I've discovered, again, I'm not an expert, I'm not a doctor. I haven't done an incredible amount of research, but just in my face-to-face -face work with women with chronic illness is that there is often a history of this push kind of energy, pushing through, powering through, disregarding our body's sim 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 symbols, <laughs> our, the, the signals, disregarding our body's signals. I still have brain fog too, by the way. Um, but when we do that repeatedly, 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 um, whether it's by coincidence or whether it's by design, we do often end up with some kind of chronic condition that in a sense constrains us in ways that our own will had not prior to that. That is so beautifully stated. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share a personal story with oh, the please. audience because I'm living this right now. 
So everybody knows my backstory that I lost my mom. And then a few months later, I lost my Mark, my partner, lost my dog, lost my job, my geography, my home, everything, all this happened. Boom, 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 boom. And through it all, I thought it was a badge of honor to keep going. I actually showed up to work four days after Mark's transition because I was in the middle of this huge project that I was spearheading and I didn't want someone else to come in. This was my job to do. And I was not going to roll over and play the victim of what had happened to me. Well, here we are two and a few months later, two years and a few months later, and some nodes have been found on my thyroid. And all the research shows that oftentimes this can be created because of a catalyzing, a catalytic, um, stressful event that I did not allow myself to rest mm. and recover from. So, I mean, I'm no doctor either. Here I am, a walking guinea pig of this thing and facing a biopsy, which of course I will let everybody know how this all turns out. And I'm believing for the best, but man, it's counterintuitive to a type A personality to be told rest. Yeah. It's not only counterintuitive, but often. So here's what I've discovered with type A personalities. Often it is the character traits that have created so much success. And, and by success, I don't just mean achievement, right? I mean, doing the thing that you feel called to do, living your purpose, being able to move things forward. Um, so we have certain character traits that we have relied on our entire lives. And every time we we hit that trigger, like we we move forward, we move forward, we move forward. And so not only is it counterintuitive, but we've often like so heavily relied on those character traits that have like worked so well for us in the past that it almost feels like I've, I, I have to divest myself of my best qualities. Because it's my identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. my identity. And being forced to extract myself from that identity was yet another painful transition, but necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So important. Like, okay, we haven't even gotten to the meat of this interview, but everyone out there, oh, if you are still trying to push through, push through, push through, maybe the message is maybe you need to stop and rest. Just maybe you need to stop and rest. You are too valuable to try and prove something based on an old identity that doesn't even necessarily serve you or anyone else anymore. That was just a little public service announcement, but an important one. Sonia, thank you for evoking that. So this is what you do with people. You and this is what I do. These, yeah, you help uncover what's really going on here. And I love the other thing you said too, which is, understanding that the desires in you are still there and that they are a divine seed seems to me like you help water and fertilize those divine seeds so they yeah. can grow in a new environment rather than from the old identity yeah in a new environment and with new tools and techniques that we have <laughs> that we haven't exactly learned how to use yeah so this person that you are so gifted at drawing out what's really going on there. How did you become you? What was the pain that changed you forever? Well, in a word, I will, I, I call it betrayal was a series of betrayals feeling betrayed by people that I trusted feeling betrayed by a body that I thought I was doing a good job taking care of, um, feeling betrayed by the sense of purpose that I was pursuing, feeling betrayed by 
clients. And this is prior to my becoming who I am. So this is in a previous life. I worked for a homeless ministry and the very people that I had, I was sacrificially serving. I felt betrayed by them. I felt betrayed by the community. And then eventually feeling betrayed by divine guidance itself. And I had a series of betrayals that the, the cataclysmic moment for me was um, I was living in Washington state and in a matter of 48 hours, there were a series of events that pretty much brought me to my knees. And I knew that I needed to do something different, but in the, emotional crisis that I was in, I didn't trust myself to make any wise choices. And so the smartest thing I could think of to do was to put my tent in the back of the car and go find a waterfall and some trees and some skies and birds and grass and dirt and just like clear my head. So that, um, so I could think clearly again and so that, that was, that was the moment, um, it was a series. I want to drill down on that for just a moment because interesting choice of words. I felt betrayed by divine guidance and yet I found myself on my knees. Mm Mm-hmm. Even in not believing anymore, there was something that was like, well, you know, there's nothing worse than feeling like you're fulfilling your purpose in life only to have the rug pulled out from under you. And if that was, I thought that was my purpose. And then I'm not doing that anymore. How do I even go on? Because those of us that are interested in a deep life, interested in a life that is married to a calling, something bigger than us, not just about doing happy hour at the Tiki bar and being able to binge watch something on Netflix, the desire for the deep stuff and we dive in and we do it and then it crumbles. Yeah. Talk about identity being dismantled as well. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to talk about this with you because women with chronic illness that have been through it and really anyone who's been through acute pain, living a life of purpose becomes paramount. And often I'll just talk, I'll talk about myself but I know I'm not the only one. Often I felt that if I could tune in to divine guidance and follow and live a life of purpose, that the the path would be paved before me and that I would be offering my gifts, my talents. I would be connected to people. I, the people that I was here to serve, I would find them. It would, I would make a difference for them that I would, I would be making a difference for myself. Like I had this idea, I'm healing myself and the planet at the same time. And I'm, I'm all in and, and whatever you ask of me, I'm willing to do it. And then I ended up, (laughs) I don't know if your listeners will know the story, but I ended up like the Israelites that were led out of Egypt and we're in the desert kind of shaking their fist at the sky going, did you leave me out here to die? Like you, you brought me out of all of that just to like what? So that I'm dying in the desert. Like I literally had my shaking my fist at the sky moment in the woods, like literally saying like, what more do you want from me? And feeling like I've given everything to follow purpose, the to path, follow guidance. Divine guidance. And now I'm screwed. Exactly. <laughs> And I think a lot of people can relate to this yeah. because there is this fairy tale. If I cross the T's, dot the I's, walk the path, 
then I can live happily ever after. And then you discover that that is, excuse my language, bullshit. So then you shook your fists and you had your moment of anger, which is a good thing because mm -hmm. you were acknowledging what was really going on inside. What I'm on the edge of my seat. What happened next? Um, well, then it got worse. <laughs> But, you know, there was a point where when I say everything was gone, I mean, everything was gone. So that that one night of solo camping ended up being two years of being on the road full time, camping, hiking, eating out of a picnic basket. I gave up my apartment. I I didn't have a job anymore. I was following guidance. I wrote a book about it. It was amazing and not at the same time. And um, I got to a point where I literally had, when I say nothing left, I mean like not even ambition left. I mean, literally nothing. And feeling like if following my own devices didn't work and following divine guidance and purpose didn't work then what what's left and I've heard you talk about coming to the end of yourself and it truly was a coming to the end of myself and realizing that in that moment I was held and there really wasn't anything at all required of me. And that my purpose was to just live and just be and be a vessel for love and compassion and be a receptacle, not so much an, an, an actor. Um, and when an actor, I don't mean performance, but I do mean like performance, right? And so... It was really when I, I had nothing left, no ambition, no drive, no anything. Um, I ended up stranded on top of a mountain with no food, no fuel. My check engine light was on and I ended up having to be rescued. And then for days, I just kind of slept and cried. And then bit by bit, my purpose started unfolding in front of me when I had no effort left. And so I really, really believe that had I been offered success by following divine guidance and living my purpose, I would have spent the rest of my life efforting in that direction. And it was necessary for me to go through all of that pain, all of that betrayal, feeling like I had nothing to actually come to a way, uh, I'll say this, I learned new ways of being, doing, and having. And that completely changed everything. And I discovered that out in the woods, and I told myself I wasn't coming out of the woods until I figured out how I could be that person in quote unquote real life. I just want to sit on that for a minute because it's not the first time I've heard this, that life sort of knocks you upside the head and you're rendered helpless, almost waving the white flag of surrender so that the true answer can arrive. For those of you who are rendered helpless right now, who may be in that bed and can't move crying, your help is on the way, your answer is coming. Because it can't not. Like the unsinkable cork in an ocean that 
you could seemingly drown in, there's some life force inside of each of us that can't help itself. It just can't help itself. It's audacious. Every time I want to stick a fork in me and say, I'm done. That life force rises up. Do you believe every person has that? I do. So, it, because we are sparks of the divine. Like that is the very essence of life. And so you said, I want to live like that all the time. So you needed tools. <laughs> How did you yeah. learn to live like that all the time? Well, one of the first things I learned is that um, synchronicity is part of the pathway. As a matter of fact, I navigate everything by synchronicity now. I mean, I did learn that when I was on the road, I followed the no plan plan. I, I, I scanned, I opened my awareness and scanned my environment for clues about, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I stay here? Do I move on? What do I do? And I was synchronistically, like I did have like miraculous moments. It, it, it didn't result in life being perfect, but it did result in miracles. And so wait, name one. I want to know a miracle. I love a good miracle story. You want to know a miracle. Um, okay. Well, I'll just, um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this one because this is the first one that popped into my head. So it must be the one I'm supposed to talk about. So people told me that I was crazy for what I was doing. I hear I was a you know, single 43 year old woman out on the road all by myself. Like that it wasn't, it wasn't safe. It wasn't, Saying it went, you know, and all of that. But I just knew, I just knew that um, nature was talking to me and that uh, following the no plan plan was actually like something was shifting inside of me. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't explain it to anyone in a way that made sense to anyone but me. But, um, but I would like, uh, I would stop at a gas station and somebody would see my license plate and would say like, oh, you're a long way from home. And we'd come into conversation and then they'd be like, oh, have you ever been to Joshua Tree? And next thing you know, I'm in Joshua Tree. And so one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, led to another. And I ended up finding myself in Brevard, North Carolina through just this, you know, series of connections and I stopped at a coffee shop and outside of the coffee shop was one of those little libraries. And in that little library was a book called The Celestine Prophecy. And when I saw that book, I'd never heard of it before, but something in me like lit up. And I've, I've learned to be aware of those physical sensations. So something in me lit up. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to like, you know, grab this book. So I got another from my car and, you know, you take one and you give one and lo and behold, it's a fictional tale, but it describes, um, it describes a process of awakening, but this fictional tale was about someone who was following synchronicity and having this incredible adventure and that it was part of their awakening and that step by step by step, they were being led into a higher level of consciousness and new ways of like connecting with people and understanding energy and all of this stuff. And when I read that book, I was like, that's what's happening to me, except this is a fictional tale about someone going on an adventure, but I'm really on a real life adventure. And it brought a level of well, first of all, relief, like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like I am being led by guidance, even though success doesn't look like or feel like anything I thought it was going to be. Um, but there is a, there is a, <laughs> there is a method underneath this madness. Um, and, and yeah, there's a purpose behind this. And so that was just one example of miraculous things that happened that would either connect me to someone or explain something. Um, yeah, there, 
there's many, many more, but that's the one that popped up. I love that story. And how many people on their journey do something that seems crazy to others? You know, me selling my house with everything in it and moving across country to, oh, it's so expensive in California. Oh, and all the reasons why it's crazy. And yet, you know, in your knower, you know, when you're drawn and yet how kind of the universe to give you a book that said, see, you're not nuts. Keep going, keep going. And so today I'm interviewing you and you are still in North Carolina. Is that where the journey? No, I'm in Florida now, actually. Oh, you're in Florida. Okay. Yeah, not in North Carolina, but, um, well, that's where I got stranded (laughs) was in North Carolina. Um, so, so my physical journey, uh, in, in terms of camping, hiking, eating out of a picnic basket, like that part, I do have a home base now. Um, but I continue to enjoy going on synchronistic adventures and I do it in my day-to-day life, like scrolling through LinkedIn LinkedIn and seeing a butterfly and hearing a woman on a stage talk about keep pressing against that chrysalis. And I'm like, oh, and feeling that, you know, set sensation arising and going, this is someone that that I'd like to meet. This is someone I'm supposed to talk to. And and so the the journey never really mm. ends. Um, except that I don't take full responsibility for how it unfolds anymore. I just show up every day and I'm open to what the day is going to bring. And I don't expect that it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns, but I appreciate the very tender moments. I mean, the the fact that I can cry, the fact that I can feel grief, the fact that I can feel betrayed, what an exquisite, repository of emotions like I I have developed capacity to be with really big powerful feelings and to not be overwhelmed by them or taken out by them and so I can sit with that in my own life and I can feel transformative power within it and I can sit with those for other people as well And so people meet me and they feel safe to cry. And when I see people like you, Brenda, and I hear the, I don't know why this is happening. And, and it was this, and then it was this, and then it was this. And, and who do you serve, Brenda? I don't know. And I'm like, you're right where you need to be. And I know that you can't feel it clearly or see it clearly, but I can. And so I have that honor now of holding that space for people knowing what you're going through and knowing that you're going to get through to the other side. Thank you. So that woman laying in the bed, crying and feeling helpless, who finally, in a way, got rescued. Did you ever imagine that you would be this person helping other people at that point? Oh, no. I was happy when I got a job at P.F. Chang's. At 43 years old, having been executive director of a homeless ministry, like all the things that I had done in my life, I was like, you'll give me a job? Really? All I have to do is show up and like serve people and I walk away with money? Like there, no, that thinking I was going to be something or do something was, I had lost that also. It was all I could do to just show up every day in my life. And I remember walking into P.F. Chang's and looking at all the like 20 something kids running around and going like, well, if they can do it, I guess I can do it too, (laughs) you know? Um, So no, no. And as your healing continued to unfold and as your awakening continued, how did we get to who you are today? And helping people and we my I think one of my questions was you had to get some tools so is that where Reiki came in is that where oh that's part of it okay so that we did talk about okay tool so tool number one synchronicity 
I pay attention to what's coming across my radar. Everyone I meet, everything I see, everything I feel are all clues. So it's like one, one big adventure, one big treasure hunt. So I, I'm, I'm open to synchronicity and I'm open to understanding and to following those connections, number one. Number two, one of the most important things I learned was someone when I was on the road said, oh, it sounds like you're doing something like Michael Singer did in the surrender experiment. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't read that. Oh, so I read that. And then I read his other book, The Untethered Soul. So synchronistic events. The one thing that I pulled from that book that has been something that I practice just about every day, Michael Singer says that when we experience pain, the actual pain that we are feeling is our decision to close our heart. And that if you can just keep your heart open, the pain will flow through and will not scar us and we won't circle around it. And so Brenda, I do that on a physical, because what's the first thing that we do when we feel overwhelmed by pain? We do this. We contract. We contract. And so I will physically, I'll do this thing where I'm like, I'm pulling myself and I will feel myself. I'm opening my heart. I'm opening. I'm not going to contract around the pain. I'm going to stay open. I'm going to stay open and I'm going to let it flow through me. And I will feel this like overwhelming pain, grief, anger, rage, fury, all of that. And I will, I will do this and I'll hold myself open so that it flows through. So I don't become a prisoner to it or want it to be a prisoner to me. So that has been like huge. Every time I feel it and I watch myself do this, I open instead and invite the pain to just flow through. I liken it a bit to when I was in a car accident recently, they said that I would have come out of it better had I not braced for it. Yeah. I had, I saw it coming and, you know, the instinct is, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, relax, Brenda, just let that car hit you. You're not going to do that. That doesn't make sense in the physical. But those that unfortunately are inebriated or they don't see it coming, they just go with it and it, they have less, fewer injuries. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying, I know that like when Mark transitioned, I resisted grief. I resisted it. It was like, I am not going to be that sad person. I don't want that to be my life story. But in resisting it, it prolonged it because mm. it was inevitable. I needed to feel it. That is really a profound thing that you just shared. And learning to live with it, learning to be comfortable with it, not that you'll like it. Can we just talk about that a minute? Like, I don't like pain. I don't like sadness. I don't like grief. But I've had to learn how to let it be. So it is this not closing your heart to it. That's a gem. The book, is that from Untethered Soul? That Michael one's Singer? from Untethered Soul. Yeah, okay. the untethered soul. You are not um, the first person on this show that has recommended that book. So we're going to underscore that for our viewers and our listeners. And, you know, I told you we didn't have a script for the outline, but we just keep finding places to go. And I knew that would happen with you. So you talked about synchronicity. You yes. talked about not closing your heart and mm -hmm. opening up to the feelings and letting yes. it flow through. Mm -hmm. Any other tools you want to share with the audience? I think those are the most important ones because, and, and actually, yes, they're, they're both super important. If we can do both of those, I believe that we find the tools that we need. And so I do have lots of specific, specific tools, but I've discovered them for me. And the most important tools that I want to impart to our audience is hold, keep your heart open. If you have to just do this with your shoulders physically, 
I mean, sometimes I'll even put like a pillow under under my back and allow my shoulders to kind of like fall open just to keep to, to signal to my heart to stay open, stay open, stay open. And then just look for the clues. Look for the clues. And ask your heart. Ask the universe. <laughs> ask your situation, ask your pain, ask your grief, ask it, what, what can I do here? And then look for the clues. Mm. And you absolutely will be put in contact with a book or a podcast or a person or an animal or a plant that has a healing message for you mm. and just be aware be tuned in and be responsive and just allow yourself to follow the breadcrumbs and it will lead you into healing now i do work with women one-on-one -on -one because a lot of times when we're in that state and it's Fire. really cloudy it's it can be really hard. Yeah, it can be hard to see things for ourselves. And so I do, I, I do help with um, pointing out the things that are going on that, that my clients can't always see and then holding space for their process as messy as it needs to be, knowing that the mess is serving a powerful purpose. The mess is serving a powerful purpose. I always say my messes are my message. Yeah. And in that there is a reason to keep going for everyone. If you are listening to this today, I hope you hear hope in our voices. And I hope you find your own healing path to keep your heart open. For those who want to work with you, Sonia, how do they find you? Well, my website is dreamscapeshealingarts.com slash Sonia-Louise. I'm also on Facebook as Sonia Louise. I'm also on LinkedIn as Sonia Louise. And as a matter of fact, I am looking to make connections on LinkedIn. So that's like my kind of new adventure zone. <laughs> so if you're on LinkedIn and you want something genuine and not the, um, let me ask you some questions and figure out what I can sell you kind of a thing. Like I am looking for genuine connections on, on LinkedIn. Um, and I also have a quiz, dreamscapeshealingarts.com slash quiz for type A women with chronic illness. It helps them figure out what their illness conquering archetype is so that they understand what it is that they're doing that's actually creating symptoms as they're trying to actually move through their illness. So that's a fun way to connect with me too. And the last thing I wanna say is the bottomless pit is the safest place to fall. Expand on that. Well, how about we just experience it for a moment, right? What you've been through, didn't it kind of feel like a bottomless pit? And isn't it really a sensation of absolute terror to be falling and falling and falling and falling and falling? But when you think about it, a bottomless pit is the safest place to fall. There's nothing that can hurt you there, exactly. And so I just offer that as a source of grace in the middle of the fall, when it feels like there's nothing to break your fall, that it's okay to just let yourself fall because it's actually really safe. I think when I stopped being surprised at the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, because I think as human beings, we're like, okay, well, I've had my share now. I'm sure I've paid the karma by now. I mean, can we get to the good part? 
And then yet another thing and yet another thing. And I think it's taken all this time for me to finally realize that there will always be another thing. But if I'm falling into this bottomless pit, <laughs> I want to do cartwheels and somersaults. Mm -hmm. I, instead of being sad and terrified by the fall I want to do acrobatics in it and dance in it and still I don't want the things that happen to be an excuse for not living fully and having fun along the way because we can be so darn serious about everything can't we yeah. especially those of us that are trying to find the meaning in it all <laughs> you know yeah. let me just all myself away and you know i'm sure if i meditate enough and you know read enough books i'm gonna crack this nut and in the process you forget to feel the breeze on your face and pet the puppy dogs on the street so i thank you for ending with that any other final words for our audience oh no that would be my favorite one like i i'm just thinking about like you know, our narrative about the bottomless pit. And when I say bottomless pit, like what, what is the image that you get in your mind, you know, but really if you just take all the story away and you're just falling and falling, like, isn't that actually flying? Ooh, and with that. So I think I see two women jumping out of an airplane and you know how you see those people with in tandem in the air I feel yeah. like that's what this conversation was like today oh. Sonia Louise thank you for thank you. what you give what you thank you for what you went through to become who you are and who you're even becoming we'll have to talk mm -hmm. to you again because I know that we're all growing and changing every day so thank you and I hope people will seek you out and I'm going to go now take that quiz I want to find out what my archetype is. I know. I can't wait to hear. I know. I, I can't I, wait either. I have a suspicion. I have a su you suspicion. So you'll have to let me know. Ooh, I will. I'll get, I will report back. Thank you for tuning into this edition of the Alchemy of Pain. Keep pressing against that chrysalis for you are creating wings to fly. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much.